0: What I want to consider with you uh, this morning is how does the Lord Jesus Christ meet our greatest needs through uh, his crucifixion? So how does the Lord Jesus Christ meet our greatest needs through his crucifixion? The crucifixion of Jesus uh, has accomplished a, a great number, a great variety of Of benefits and and blessings uh, for all who put their trust in him and put their trust in his work of salvation. And the Bible uses uh, a number of different words uh, to describe these benefits uh, that show how Christ's death has met all the needs that we have as sinners. So the Bible uses different terms uh, to describe these ways. Uh, we might be familiar with all of these terms. We might, uh, Some of them might be familiar to us. Perhaps we might have heard some of them and, and we're not altogether sure uh, what they mean or what they refer to. So um, whether they're well known to us or new to us, it's profitable, it's always profitable to remind ourselves um, of what Christ has done, what he has accomplished uh, for us through his Crucifixion, and the first term that we want to think about is the word atonement. Uh, atonement. The word atonement is like a, an umbrella term that covers everything else that we uh, consider here this morning. And atonement is the work that Christ has done in His life and in His death to earn our salvation. Uh, one very simple definition of atonement is uh, to remove the obstacle of sin so that we can be reconciled to God. It's the removal of the obstacle of our sin so that we can be reconciled to God. It's uh, um, spoken about quite a day, uh, quite a lot in um, uh, the books of Exodus, uh, Leviticus, and Numbers. Um, they often speak very directly about making atonement as the Lord was instructing his people um, how they might approach him, how the, this obstacle between God and them might be removed, their sin. Uh, and atonement is necessary because we are sinners. Man is a sinner. Uh, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the main question, and the, the question for us still today, the main question is how can man, how can Uh, a woman, a boy, a girl how can a a sinful person like me be accepted by a holy God by a God who is holy who is pure who cannot uh, uh, dwell with sin, who cannot have sin come near him so how can we ever have a relationship uh, with him and the answer is by atonement and only by atonement, uh, the Bible shows us right from the very beginning how serious sin is. Um, it's a barrier. It's a barrier. Right back in the garden, it became a, It was a barrier between God and Adam and Eve. They were put out of the garden uh, as a consequence of their disobedience, their breaking God's word. It's a barrier that separates us from God. Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he doesn't hear you. So when we sin against God, it's, it's a barrier between us. He hides his face from us. He doesn't hear us. The thing is, is that we are the ones who put this barrier up. We have put up the barrier. By our sin. The problem then is. We can't do anything. To take the barrier away. To take the barrier down. The Bible. And the gospel. The good news is that. God. Has dealt with this problem. Of this barrier. And how to remove. This barrier between him. And us. He has made the way for our sins to be removed, the obstacle to be removed, so that we can be forgiven and that we can have peace with him and be reconciled to him. Now atonement, the removal of this obstacle, is never something that we can do. Whether uh, we're in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, we can do nothing to remove the, this barrier Ourselves, In the Old Testament, as I said in uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, they they, uh, they speak about this atonement. In the Old Testament, the various sacrifices that were appointed by God play a very large part in, in the life of the people of God. But these sacrifices, they didn't actually have any merit In themselves. So that if a bull was slain. um, It was because the bull was slain. That your sin was forgiven. They didn't have any merit. in In themselves. But it was the way that God had appointed. In that time period. In the Old Testament. To remove the obstacle. Of sin. Leviticus 17 verse 11. Is a very important verse. Not only for the Old Testament. But it's also a reminder to us. That if we want to have our sin dealt with, there is only one way. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. It's the blood that makes atonement by the life you think that you can be right with God by trying to do the best that you can by being uh, religious by being in a place of worship by being nice to your neighbour they're all good they're all good things but they can never deal with your sin they can never remove the obstacle of your sin between you and God God has told us it's the blood it's the shedding of blood that makes atonement that removes the obstacle uh, we read um, at the beginning from Romans or from Hebrews chapter ten, but in the letter uh, to the Hebrews, um, the, we're told by the writer that the the Old Testament sacrifices and the rituals they were all shadows, they were all pictures, they were signposts pointing forward to Jesus Christ and how He was going to fulfil what these. Pictures spoke about. He fulfilled it. in Ultimately in his sacrifice. On the cross. In the Old Testament. The sacrifices were God's. Appointed means of atonement. Until Christ. Came. Blood shed for sin. In the New Testament. The cross. The cross is central. It's God's appointed way. Of atonement. It's the way of salvation. It's the way for us to have our sin. The obstacle of our sin removed. And to be saved from our sin. It's in the death of Christ. His crucifixion. That brings salvation from sin. It's not anything that we do. Or that we might try to do. If you want your sin dealt with. If you want to be forgiven of your sin. If you want that obstacle between you and God removed. It's by atonement and it's only by Christ's atonement and trusting in his atonement. Christ taking our place, doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. And what we are to do, what we are called to do in response is to repent, turn from our sin and trust in him put our faith in him, turning from our sin and turning to the only one who is the saviour from sin. Trusting in his sacrifice, the sacrifice of himself to remove the barrier between us and God. If we don't do that, that barrier is still there. And if we die in that condition, That barrier will be fixed for all eternity. So sinful men and women and boys and girls. We're all in a desperate situation. A desperate plight. Because we're all lost. We're all lost in darkness. We're all traveling on a road. That the, the Bible tells us is leading to destruction. And the thing is. Is that we don't realize it. We don't realise that we're lost. We don't realise that we're in the dark. We don't realise that we're heading quite happily on a road that leads to everlasting separation from God. And we won't realise it unless God opens our eyes to see how things really are. Unless he opens our ears to hear his warnings And his calling for us to come to him. Unless we respond uh, to his instructions. That will lead us to safety. And open our minds and our hearts. To trust in him. To turn to the light. And onto the narrow path which leads to life. Turning to Jesus. Turning to Jesus. That's our way of escape. It's the way that God has appointed it's his atonement and as i said atonement is it's, it's a bit like a, an umbrella uh, an umbrella term that covers everything else that we'll consider today and in an umbrella you've usually got spokes and that's what we're going to look at we're going to look at the various spokes in the umbrella that um, are, are under this g- general uh, overall term of atonement um the atonement is overflowing with so many benefits to meet uh, all the, our needs as sinners. Um, and these the supporting spokes, you might have heard of some of them, um, others, maybe not familiar with. Um, redemption, uh, substitution, imputation, propitiation, reconciliation. Justification. Some of them big words. Some of them hard words. But they're big words. And they're big benefits. For any who put their trust in Christ. Because there are big blessings. uh, In uh, all of these terms. And every one of us needs. The crucifixion of Jesus. We all need his atonement. What he has accomplished because we have all, before we look at these spokes, we all have one big problem, Uh, and that atonement uh, removes the the obstacle, Uh, but our problem is, it's summed up in one term, and that is condemnation. Condemnation. Because we have sinned, because we have broken God's law, we might do it in here, in here, in here, or With our hands we might do things, we think, we say, we commit things against God. It's all sin. And as a consequence we're all under God's judgment. We're not born into this world as cute and innocent as some would have us to believe. Well Maybe some of you are more cute than uh, others, uh, but we certainly don't come into this world as innocent. Uh, the Bible tells us that when we come, when we're born into this world, we are born in sin. We have a a sinful nature, and we we prove that we have a sinful nature because we go on to commit sin. When our first representative, uh, Adam uh, was in the garden, he fell, he sinned and he was in the garden acting as our representative, he was our head he represented us all whatever happened to him happened to us all and he chose to disobey he chose to sin and because of that we we have become infected and corrupted by his sin and we have a sinful nature it's infected all of his heirs which is the reason that we can't live up to God's holy and righteous standards because we have been infected by sin we've been corrupted by it and it's the reason why God's condemnation hangs over us the Lord had said to him eat and you shall surely die and he did eat and he did die not immediately physically but he died spiritually in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3 Paul says that we speaking about us all we are by nature children of wrath We are children who are under God's anger. It's hanging over us because of our sinful nature and because of our sinful behaviour. Later on in Ephesians 5 verse six, Paul goes on to say that no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, because of the sins that we commit, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So don't let anyone deceive you or tell you otherwise. And don't deceive yourself. I'm, I'm a decent person. I'm not robbing anybody. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not committing murder. And um, So I'm, I must be okay. So don't deceive yourself. God's anger. God's condemnation hangs Absolutely. over the sinner. Because we have all broken his law. His condemnation is based on his holiness. And his justice. And so... His condemnation because of our sin is justly deserved. Romans 3 and verse 10. uh, Paul says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No exemptions. If a person continues in their sin and in their wickedness and remains unrepentant, it will end in eternal condemnation, eternal punishment. But it need not end that way. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to be eternally separated from God. There's lots of people running about here, um, you know, across the road, and maybe they're still in bed, or maybe they're just watching the telly or doing doing the garden, and they have absolutely no interest, no care, no concern for what's going on. Anything to do with God. God in His mercy has brought you into a place like this today to come and to hear His warnings, to hear of His mercy and His grace through His Son Jesus Christ, so that you don't have to go to hell, so that you can hear the message, respond to the message. And put your trust in Jesus Christ and spend all eternity, not in hell but in heaven, with God our Father. God has provided the way of escape, the way to escape condemnation, the way to set us free from condemnation. Verses that uh, I'm sure are familiar to, to most of you. John three, sixteen to eighteen, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world. He so loved the world. That he gave his only son. His only begotten son. That whoever believeth in him. Should not perish. But have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world. To condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him. Is not condemned. But whoever does not believe. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Saviour. And God gives you this promise. He gives you this promise. No condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. Who have come into a, a relationship with Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. God's atonement is his solution to our desperate problem, our problem, our sin, and our condemnation because of our sin. So then the first of these spokes uh, that we're thinking about in the umbrella is redemption. Redemption. Uh, We might think that it's bad enough to learn that uh, the scriptures tell us that not only are we not good enough, but in God's sight, we're all sinners. We're, all, we're under condemnation as a consequence. But the Bible goes even further to tell us that we're in bondage to our sin. We're in bondage to our sin. We can't break loose from our sinful nature. Just like a, a leopard cannot change its spots. We're in bondage to our sinful nature. We're also in bondage to Satan. We say, I'm I'm not in bondage to Satan. I'm sitting in a church today. I'm not in bondage to Satan. In John chapter 8, Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders. The leaders who did not have a faith relationship with God the Father... And Jesus tells these religious people that they belonged to their father, the devil. They belonged to their father, the devil. And they did his works. John, 1 John 5, verse 19, the Apostle John says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Outside of Jesus Christ, whether you're aware of it or not, you are in service you're working for, and you're in bondage to God's enemy. But atonement, atonement changes all that. This word redemption, it comes from the word to redeem. It means to to pay a price, to pay a a ransom. Uh, And it's used uh, to speak about the purchase price to buy someone's freedom. Uh, the payment that was necessary to set a a slave free. So you want to set the slave free, you you just couldn't say, you can go free. Um, Somebody had to pay in order to set that slave free, to redeem them by the payment of a ransom in order to secure their redemption. The penalty that is due to us because we've sinned, what we deserve because we have sinned, the condemnation that we deserve because of sin, is death. The wages of sin is death. When we sin, that's what we're accumulating. Death. God had told Adam in the very beginning of the garden, in the day we let you shall down. And death entered in as a result of sin. Disobedience. Following the direction of following the will of the devil. the penalty the price owed for your sin and mine. what we owe to God because of our sin is death is death. So not only are we in bondage to sin, we can't change our nature. not only are we in bondage to God's enemy to the to, to Satan, But we're also in bondage to death. Because our sin condemns us. Condemns us to death. We cannot escape. We can't do anything to set ourselves free. But here it is. On the cross. On the cross. Jesus. Was paying. The penalty price. He was paying the ransom price. And he paid it in full. He gave his life for us. He took death in our place. So that we could be set free. He paid it in full. And his payment was accepted by the father who raised him from the dead. The death of Jesus, his blood shed, his life given, was the price required by God. And Jesus paid it. And as a result, he secures our redemption from bondage to sin, to Satan, and to death. It's his death alone that can set us free. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom. He came in order to give his life as the ransom for many, as the redemption price to set us free from death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15, the writer says that through his death, through the death of Christ, he might deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We are slaves outside of Christ. We might think that we can do whatever we want and do as we please. We're slaves. We're slaves to sin and we're slaves to Satan. The unbeliever isn't his own person to do as they please. They're in lifelong slavery. Serving the kingdom of darkness. Stumbling through the dark doing the works of their master the devil. But Jesus, Jesus has paid the price. He has given his life as a ransom. Redemption to set sinners free. If you're not a believer today, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are not free. You're not free. And you never will be free until you come to Jesus Christ. Condemnation is the bad news. We're all condemned. Good news is atonement. Redemption accomplished by Jesus through his death. Uh, Another two terms that are part of what is involved in the atonement are representation and uh, substitution. Just briefly on uh, representation. Uh, In his work of atonement, Jesus acted as our Representative, We thought about how at the very beginning Adam was our representative in the garden and Adam totally messed it up and we all fell with him and we became infected and corrupted by his sin as a consequence. The second Adam is Jesus. And he came into this world to undo all the mess that Adam had brought about. He came to be our representative. So in everything that he did. While he was here on earth. In all his work. In his life. In his death. And in his resurrection. It was all as our representative. Acting on our behalf. In his atonement. He was also acting as our substitute. I'm sure there's some. Football fans here and rugby fans, maybe, um, male and female, maybe, um, uh, and you know all about substitutes. Um, something happens on the pitch and somebody has to leave and somebody takes their place, somebody stands in. Jesus was our substitute, taking our place, standing in our place. And as our substitute, this is what he did. He bore the judgment for sin that we deserve. He bore upon himself. He stood in our place on the cross. If you you want to think, what does your sin deserve? Slap on the wrist? Naughty boy, naughty girl, don't do that again. If you want to think, what does my sin deserve? Think about the cross. Think about the cross. Because that's what our sin deserves. Punishment and death. But Jesus took our place. He took our place on the cross. And he bore all that judgment that is ours, was ours. What we deserve. Isaiah 53 verse 5. He was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our sins. For our lies, for our deceit, for whatever things we've said and and, and they've messed with people's heads or they've destroyed relationships. The things that we've done, the things that we've left undone. He was wounded for all our transgressions. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For our sake says Paul, he that is God made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The sinless Jesus identifies with sin to such a degree. That he is said to be made sin. Everything that was contrary to him. He was made to be sin for our sake. To take the judgment due to our sins. So that we would be made righteous. In substitution, taking our place, Jesus was treated on the basis of what we are. And we are condemned sinners. And he was dealt with by the Father accordingly. Because of this substitution, taking our place, taking our judgment, Paul rejoices. And we rejoice with him. Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And some of us need to take that to heart. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Our hearts condemn us. Our memories condemn us. Our conscience condemns us. We we fail God so often. And we condemn ourselves. But there is no condemnation. Because he took all our condemnation upon himself. And he paid for it. He satisfied it. And so we're secure. God secures for us what we couldn't and cannot do for ourselves. Next term is imputation. Um, The word to impute literally means to reckon, to charge, to want to count. It was part of the commercial, the uh, legal language of Paul's day. The Apostle Paul uh, writing to Philemon um, Philemon's been wronged by his slave Onesimus um, and uh, he'd run, run off and uh, uh, seems like he'd taken some of uh, Philemon's uh, stuff with him um, And but he meets up with Paul is converted and Paul writes back to Philemon um, and in verse 18 he says if he has wronged you in any way if he's wronged you at all or if he owes you anything charge that to my account Charge it to my account. Reckon it to be my debt. Impute it to me. That's what imputation is. Um, uh, you, you go to, to pay for something and, and, uh, and you haven't got the money you turn it to your brother or your dad or whatever you say, keep your young out here and impute it to me. Charge it to me. I will pay for it on their behalf. That's imputation. In the the Old Testament, David says, blessed are those to whom the Lord does not impute their sin. Blessed when the Lord doesn't reckon, doesn't charge sin to their account. We have sin to our account. But by imputation, it's transferred. No longer to our account, but to the account of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans four seven and eight Paul's uh, quoting from David in Psalm thirty two blessed is the man against the whom the Lord will not count his sin. Outside of Christ today, your your sin is yours. Your sin is yours. But if you are in Christ, if you come to Christ and trust in Him, your sin is imputed to Him. It's charged to Him, and He pays the price. And he pays the consequence. It's not based imputation. is isn't based on merit. It's because we deserve uh, our sin. Not to be counted against us. It's based on God's love. God's grace. God's mercy. Romans 5 verse 8. God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. While we were still rebels. While we were still offending God. Christ died for us. Now there's two sides to imputation. On the one hand, our sins are imputed to Christ's account. Um, They're your sins. You pay for them. And that's what he did on the cross. Charged to his account. They belong to him. God deals with them as though they belong to him. Even though he was out without sin. And he pays the price. He pays the ransom. So that we can be set free. On the other hand, Christ's righteousness... All his perfect obedience, his perfect life, is charged to our account. Imagine that. Our blotted black book full of sin, white clean, washed clean, it's all paid for, it's all dealt with. And instead of in our account book with God, instead of a list of sin. From the time we came into this world, until this present time, what does He say? What does God say? It is full only of Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness. It's charged to our account. It's reckoned to be ours. It's reckoned to be belonging to all those who put their faith and trust in Him next word is propitiation propitiation now, it's a big word and it's a hard word but it, it really just it just means turning away God's anger turning away God's anger by means of an offering Hebrews 2 verse 17 therefore he, Christ, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation. That is an offering to turn away God's anger. A propitiation for the sins of the people. God is displeased. God is angry with our sin. And what Jesus does on the cross. Is he makes an offering to God of himself. To turn away that anger. 1 John 2 verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 4.10 And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And Jesus is the only one who can turn away God's anger from us. Being nice to to other people. Doing religious things. None of these things. They are good but none of them can turn away God's anger. Only the offering that Christ has made of himself. Propitiation. God's wrath, God's anger is mentioned more often in the Old Testament but it's certainly there in the New Testament. Our sin deserves its due reward because God is angry with our sin. He's not indifferent to it. God doesn't sweep it away our sin under some celestial cloud, it has to be paid for. Either we will pay for it ourselves if we continue to refuse Christ and, and, and go into the to the next world, continuing to reject the only way of salvation, or Christ pays for it. Christ pays for it and we trust in his Uh, propitiation for us the bad news in Romans 1 is that God is angry with us because of our sin but the good news comes in Romans 3 where we're told that God has put forward Christ Jesus his son as a propitiation as a sin offering uh, to turn away his anger and that's the reality your sin and mine we have all incurred the wrath of God and it can only be turned away from us. It can only be removed by the death of Jesus on the cross. His offering of atonement, of propitiation. So condemnation is what we deserve. Uh, but through faith in Christ, you receive all of these benefits. Through his atonement, redemption. Price being paid for us. Substitution, standing in there and taking our place representation, imputation, propitiation and we receive all of these by faith simply by faith, trusting in Christ and his reconciliation next term is reconciliation uh, we are certainly not at peace with God when we are still in our sin uh, we are enmity with him um, God is not for us, He's uh, against us, but through the death of Jesus, through the atonement, through faith in Him, we are brought into a right relationship with God. There is reconciliation. We're reconciled. We're, we're brought into a, a peace relationship. He's no longer against us, He is for us. We have peace with God. We have access to Him. We can have fellowship uh, with Him reconciliation and uh, another term is adoption God adopts us to be one of his to become a child of God Ephesians 1 verse 5 Paul gives us the reason for adoption he says in love in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will Uh, Apostle John says 1 John 3 verse 2 beloved we are God's children now and what he is Uh, what will be has yet not appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is we are adopted into his family we belong to him and we belong to his kingdom and just uh, the last term is justification justification is a a legal term Uh, it means to pronounce to, uh, uh, to, to, to pronounce not guilty to uh, be accepted, uh, to be treated as someone who is just, as, as righteous. Not guilty on the one hand, um, but also on the other hand, to be entitled uh, to all the privileges of those as if we kept the law. So justification has those two sides to it. Um, not guilty um, of any charge against us, uh, but also um, being treated as not guilty. So therefore, having access to all the privileges as if we had fully kept the law. So justification means not guilty and no condemnation. We are accepted by God and we're entitled to all the privileges and all the blessings of God as if we'd never broken his law. That justification is won for us by Jesus Christ uh, on the cross. It's his death on the cross, his resurrection on the cross, Jesus, God is is just, justice is done, sin is dealt with, sin is paid for uh, in the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus uh, and his people um, uh, 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 show that we're uh, right with God. So a a not guilty verdict is, is issued on the basis of faith, justification by faith. Uh, when Jesus was teaching in his parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus tells us that the, that the, the religious Pharisee, he was boasting. Uh, he was boasting in his good works. He said, God, look at me. I'm a good person. Um, I, I do this, that, and the other. Um, I don't do anybody any harm. Look at me. Look what I've done for you. What a good religious boy I am. The tax collector knew he was rotten and he was corrupted and he was deceiving people but we're told that the tax collector in faith acknowledged that he wasn't a good person that he was a bad person but he confessed to God that he was a bad person that he was a sinner and Jesus says it was the tax collector Not the Pharisee, the tax collector, the sinful tax collector, but the believing tax collector who went home justified, who went home right with God, not guilty, not guilty. Question is, will you go home today? Will you go to your home today? justified not guilty right with God because you have acknowledged your sin you've confessed to God your sin you've repented of it you turn away from it and you turn in faith to Jesus Christ who can save you from your sin and the consequences the end of your sin What a salvation we have in Jesus. The saving of men and women, young people from the power and the effects of sin. There is no other name given under heaven by which a man can be saved. The name, the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. What a work of God in the crucifixion, the atonement, the removal of the obstacle of sin that separates us from God condemnation. We're all under God's judgement because of our sin but then there's the good news, redemption Jesus has paid the price on the cross he's paid the price to set us free. We can't pay that price we can't accumulate anything that will satisfy God Um, Jesus is the one who's paid the price to set us free and so there's no longer condemnation through Jesus Christ. His representation and substitution he represented us here on earth in his life, in his death, in his resurrection he took the judgment he's our substitute, he took the judgment for our sins upon, our, upon himself, the imputation our sins, imputed to him, charged to his account he pays for them, he uh, satisfies God's anger um, by suffering dying in our place not only that, he accounts to us his righteousness his perfect obedience, propitiation, his death on the cross, an offering of himself to turn away God's anger from us. God isn't angry in front with us, He's not angry with us. Sometimes we might think, Well, have things gone wrong in my life because God's angry with me? Jesus has turned away God's anger from us on the cross, reconciliation. His death taking away our sins, making peace with God. We're no longer enemies. We're no longer hostile. Uh, We're no longer in rebellion. We're actually in fellowship with God. And we've been adopted. We've been made as children. We've been made as heirs. We've been made as heirs. Co heirs with Christ. And justification. Through his death, we're declared not guilty our own hearts would condemn us and say, you're guilty of so much. I know what you did. I know what you said. No longer. We're justified. God tells us we're not guilty. Not guilty. And we're entitled to all the privileges that belongs to a child of God, a son, a daughter. To him be all the praise and all the glory.